every time the word of God comes, it brings life, it brings deliverance, it brings breakthrough, it brings healing, it brings transformation, it brings him himself because our God himself says it and then what he says, it comes to pass. So what you're going to receive is not something that will go in vain. If you receive it, if you, if you allow it to grow in your life, it will be productive and it will be faithful in your life. Today, we're going to talk about fire. How many of you know what a fire is? I hope everyone knows, right? A fire is, is something that we often say that thing was fire. No, we're not talking about that word fire. We're talking about the actual fire. You know, fire is something that uh, can encourage someone, but it is also something that can cause fear in some lives at times. You know, fire uh, can be a blessing if you're in the darkness. You know, a small spark of fire, a small candle can instill a comfort, a hope if, if there's a power cut or if there's a power outage and you have just a candle in your house, you still feel comfortable with that fire. If you're, if you're walking in the desert and you have a, uh, have a torch with you, that, that itself is, is a comfort. But that, that fire, that spark can bring a chaos if that candle creates or spreads an outburst of fire or burns down a house or burns down a cloth or a table or something, you know? So a fire can be a blessing. A fire can be a chaos. A fire can bring in hope. A fire can bring in... All right, yep. A fire can guide someone. A fire can even cause you to run away from it. In winter, a fire can, can warm you up. But if that fire starts to burn you, then you are in trouble, right? So a fire can do a lot of things. And today we are going to study from the book of Second Chronicles chapter 7 of two kinds of fires. Two kinds of fires, okay? And we'll, uh, Second Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14 is a very, is a, is a very famous verse that we, we use, we quote in our prayers, in our lives, in our preachings. But we're not just going to look into just that particular verse. We'll, we'll dissect the entire chapter and we'll learn as to how and what happens in the life of the Israelites. And you will see that somewhere this chapter is a reflection of you, okay? It won't, it's not just a reflection of someone else, it will be a reflection of you. So let's see what we learn from this chapter. This, the first few chapters is about, uh, is about the temple, is about the building of the temple of God. And, and that was passed on from David to his son Solomon. And Solomon takes up the responsibility of building up the temple. And chapter seven is where Solomon dedicates the temple to God. Okay, now let me get this straight. Solomon didn't just dedicate the temple of God. He was there for the construction of the temple of God. He was there for the investment in the temple of God. He was there for the designing of the temple of God. He was also there for the prayers and the guidance for the temple of God. Many of us, we want to show up during showtime. But that's not the way that God works. If you want to be invested and if you want to be used to the max, you got to be ready to invest in every area of that stage. 
It starts from the cleaning. It starts from the encouragement. It starts from prayer. It starts from investing your time, your finances, your health, your energy, everything. You cannot expect a stage, but not be ready to serve that community or the people. You cannot expect a stage or a, or, or a big title without starting in the small things. Solomon was ready to do everything and he did. He definitely did. If you look at this, at this uh, book, the first few, first few chapters, you will see Solomon was so invested in it like it was his own house. But I would say he invested much more than he would have invested in his own house. You know why? Because he knew who he was investing into. He was investing into the kingdom that didn't require any investment, but it was a pleasure for him to be able to invest. Listen up carefully, dear church. The way and the opportunity to serve God is a blessing. It is not just a responsibility. You get to serve. So praise him for that he chose you to serve him. Praise him that he's allowing you to offer into his presence. Praise him that he's allowing you to clean up the houses, clean up the rooms, bring in the people and create someone or pray for someone or even be an usher. You are allowed to do it. He's letting you do it. So take up that responsibility, every responsibility with joy. No murmur, no grumbling, but with joy. We do it because we get to do it. That should be your if, if possible, another, another tagline for your life, put it up. If you, want, if you want, if possible, put it up on your T-shirts, put it up on your own. We serve because we get to serve. We love because we get to love. We, we are doing this. We are doing this ministry because we are getting to do it. There are many people, but he's choosing us, right? So, Solomon starts to do everything. He, he, he plans out the temple. He plans out the space. He puts up the, uh, the worship space and he places the play, uh, uh, he separates the place for, uh, for offerings. He sets up a place for, uh, what do we say, for prayers and the altar. And he does all of this, everything. And what happens next? In chapter six, he comes up and he starts to pray and thank God. Okay, And he starts to pray about the history of God's faithfulness. It is amazing how often we forget how God has been faithful. But my friends, you can start to pray if you remember the faithfulness of God. You can start to worship if you remember how true God has been to you. You can start to thank God. There will be always a thankful heart. If you look back and see the faithfulness of, of God throughout the generation, you can say, but my generation never praised God. But hey, God still used that generation to bring you to a place that turns out the generation in front of you. You are the transforming point. If you are able to say that my generation never praised God, well, guess what? The generation after you will be able to praise God because you are now in God. You are the switch. So if you look back, you can always be thankful. And Solomon did exactly that. He, he not only just praised God, he not only just worshiped God, but he also prayed about the unrighteousness of people, about the unfaithfulness of people. 
he talked about uh, he talked to god about uh, the uh, the people of israel misusing his name and mistreating the temple of god and then he talked about the challenges and and the and the problems that are coming in the future he talked of all of this and the chapter 6 is if you read it please i encourage you to read chapter 5 6 and 7 later on but if you read it you will see that it has a lot of history in it and it has a lot of teaching in it and these have these two chapters, three chapters have a lot of realities that you can even connect in this 2021. Right. And after having done all of that of prayer, of praise, of worship and everything and the temple is ready. And then we come to chapter seven and the title of chapter seven is Solomon dedicates the temple. So in this chapter, we'll be looking into uh, we'll be dissecting it into three segments and the very first segment uh, or the point that you would want to write down is God's glorious response when Solomon dedicates the temple one God's glorious response let's read verse one okay it says when Solomon had finished praying fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven. Fire came down from heaven. Hello? Fire came down from heaven. You see, once he was done praying, God sent in a response. But when we read this scripture, you know, we often just read it. But let me tell you, fire coming down from heaven is not a natural thing. It is a miracle. It is a miracle that God chose to respond by fire and not by words. It is a miracle that God chose to bring down the fire that only consumed the offerings on the altar and not everyone around it. It is a miracle that God chose to send down a fire, not, not flood or not a strong wind that would blow everyone away, but a fire that was for the altar. This segment, a fire came down from heaven itself is a miracle of God. But what happens, we often read through the scriptures and we live our life so casually that all these things, these things become like something too casual. But I'm here to tell you, this is a miracle. You remember Moses and the burning bush? That was a miracle. Moses was doing his work. He was tending the sheep of his, of his father-in-law. And all of a sudden, what does he see? He see a burning bush in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of a desert. And what does he do? He goes back tending his sheep. No. He looks back and he's intrigued. He's like, What's happening? Why is this burning? And then he proceeds to the burning bush. We read that segment. We read that passage. We know, we memorize that passage. And when we preach it, we treat it so casually. But tell, let me tell you, when God does something, it is not natural. It is always supernatural. And every supernatural thing should be treated as a miracle, not a normal human response. Moses turned and he looked. He proceeded to the bush and God spoke, you're standing on a holy ground, get rid of your sandals. Can you imagine what would have happened if Moses would have been, bush? I'll, I'll carry forward. Yeah, it's, it's, it's normal. 
You remember Zacchaeus and Jesus? Zacchaeus was on the tree. Who would climb up on a tree? Jesus never came across people who would be up on a tree. But when he reached that tree, Jesus looked up. The unusual place. Do you, do you look at the unusual places where God is working? We all have a routine set in our lives that we forget to stop and see. Even in the natural, God is doing something supernatural. You know, which is why I started off with this. You living is a miracle. We treat it so casually. We wake up and we are like, hey, good morning. It's a brand new day. I'm ready for tea. I'm ready for coffee. We do all of this. I'm going for walk. I'm going for cycling. It's natural. It's normal. But let me tell you, it is not normal. There have been wars. There have been chaos. There have been sickness all around. There could have been so many things. N number of things could have happened throughout the night in your life. But none of that happened. You living is a miracle. But the problem is that just as we read these scriptures and just move on, we are living a life where we see things and we keep moving on. I'm alive. Yeah, it's no biggie. I recovered from COVID. It's no biggie. My fees are paid. It's no big deal. It was supposed to be paid. I'm able to work out, yeah, I'm able to get food, I'm able to, I'm able to rest, I'm able to drink water, I'm able to swim, it's no big deal. It is a big deal because there are people who swim well but still have drowned. There are people who drink water and have choked and suffocated. There are people who live under a roof and the roof fell, there have happened to so many things, but none of it happened to you. And you still think your life is normal. It is a miracle that you are alive. And this, the fire coming down from heaven, that is a miracle. Every day we have miracles around us. We just don't stop to see it like Moses did. These people in chapter 7, they stopped too. Read verse 2 and 3. And the priest could not enter the house of the Lord. Imagine the intensity in that room. The priest could not enter the house of the Lord because, of the, because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshipped the Lord and worshipped and praised the Lord saying, for he is good, for, he is, for his mercies endures forever. They were in awe of God. There was thanksgiving, there was joy, there was happiness because they were reminded of the goodness of the Lord, right? I'm pretty sure you all have experienced that. You all have had that, that awe, that reverence, that uncontrollable joy in your heart where you experience the fire of God in your lives. There have been moments where you felt that, oh, I'm highly driven. This word has impacted me. This sermon this sermon hit me home. I'm changed. I'm transformed. There was encouragement. There was a, a building of faith. You had renewed strengths. You can think back and say that one Sunday was so powerful in that place. That one, that one Friday gathering or Wednesday meeting was so uplifting for my life. We can look back and say that one family camp or, or that one virtual conference, it changed the way I think. It changed the way I live. We can say a lot of things. We might have felt comfort. In our chaos, there might have been a new peace in our hearts. There might have been a new joy in our life. We might have even knelt down and cried in his presence because his, his, his spirit, his power was so overwhelming for us. 
We might have lifted hands and shouted with joy, not caring about who's standing next to us. Why? Because the fire of God was in that place. And I don't doubt that for one second. But let me ask you something. And if possible, please, someone can unmute and say, do you believe or do you think that this fire and the glory of God can reduce at any point of time? Can the glory Amen. of God reduce? Amen. Can it? Yes, no. Can his power be reduced? Can his authority be reduced? No. 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 So if the power and the fire of God has not reduced, then where's the switch? If that power that made us kneel down and cry, if that power that made us lift our hands and shout for joy on that Sunday or Friday or Wednesday meeting, if that power is not limited to that place, if that power is not limited to that day, if that power is not limited to that time, then why isn't that power manifested every day in your life? If he's not losing his power, then why aren't we experiencing his power over and over again every minute of our lives? Let me clear this up and listen to me very carefully and with an open heart. The same God who loves you today is the same God who will be judging on the judgment day. Right? The same fire that we experience today as, a, as glory is the same fire that will convict us. The same fire that lights up our path when we go through the dark days is the same fire that will want to burn the obstacles and even burn away some things that don't belong in our lives. You and I, we are called to be in awe of God, to worship him. Let's read what, what verse 10 says. And on the 23rd day of the seventh month, he sent the people away to their tents, joyful and glad of the heart for the good that the Lord had done for David, for Solomon and for, his, for the people of Israel. So they were joyful. They were glad. Their heart was full, remembering what God had done for them in the last 23 days. But then something changed. Something changed. Here's the second phase in this chapter. The first was God's glorious response. The second, was, the second thing is the good feelings are done. The good feelings are done. What happens after the good, good feelings of service is done? What happens when you get out of the tabernacle and now go back to your tents? Read verse 11. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house and, the, and Solomon successfully accomplished all that came into his heart to make in the house of the Lord and in his own house. Then verse 12. Then, then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night. He's done everything. He's ready to, he's sleeping. Everyone is back in the tents. And the Lord says, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as the house of sacrifice. But when I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people. Solomon has done all that he can. Solomon has experienced the power of God. The entire Israel and the priests of this house have experienced the move of God. After the glory, God comes in with, uh, with a warning. 
you can say but but this sunday was so good why is why is my life so challenging well it's all about how you go back to your tents it's not about how you are in the temple of god in the community or in the church it is about how you are when you are back in your tents and this was again we all know verse 14 we know if my people who are called by my name they humble themselves they pray and see we know the scripture but today i will make you focus on verse 13 because again it is it is something that will be like hey this yeah this will all happen but i will pray but no let's let's pay attention to truly what's happening okay and i will break this thing down in three points and if possible please write it down uh, understand this there will be drought there will be locust and there will be a, a pestilence or you can say a pandemic or epidemic diseases right but what's more more challenging or should instill a reverence is verse 13 starts with when i shut up heaven your god has the authority to shut up heaven your god has the authority to cancel all the good things your god has the power to say the land will bear no fruit anymore jesus told the fig tree and the fig tree was no more god is saying when i shut up the heavens why trials after the glory just when they thought that everything is going to be good in our lives now you can think hey i received i received a revelation i received the move of god i i felt in convicted and i feel transformed now everything will be good but then there comes a challenge and the challenge is how pleasing is your life to god now let's dive into these verses and let's look uh, as as to what it starts with the very first thing what is the very first thing stated here when i shut up heaven and there is no rain the very first thing that will happen in your life is a drought experience there will be a drought what is a drought a drought simply means absence of rain there will be no rain you the land will start running dry it will start to crack up there it will be parched the the everything that has been planted will will not be successful why because there is simply no rain we have been receiving rain in our city for the past week but that's not the rain that i'm talking about i'm talking about a spiritual rain let me ask you this do you worship god when you're back in your tent we all worship god on sundays 4 to 6 we all worship god on wednesdays 8 to 9 we all worship god on thursdays 8 to 9 we worship god on fridays 8 to 9 but what about when you all go back to your tents do you still praise god Let me tell this praising and worshiping God is not about setting up a playlist on Spotify or YouTube and playing it on loop while you're working no praising and worshiping God is admiring him loving him and being in awe of who he is it is not a set list from the Maverick City Church it is not a set list from Elevation Worship it is not a set list from Hillsong Worship it is a revelation of God it is a reminder of who god is to you it is a reminder of who god is in your life over your life and over all the universe we need 
to worship God in such a way that pleases him, that pleases him. Let me ask you this. How many of you have ever bought a gift for someone? Ever bought a gift? Yeah. Will, did you buy the gift that you liked or did you buy a gift concerning what the other person might like? Concerning what the other person might like. Even if you like the color red, but they prefer the color blue, you would choose red or blue? The color they like, most definitely. The color they like, exactly, right? Dear church, don't beat me up after this, okay? And don't say ban Pastor G after this. Sermon. Why do we worship with the songs that we like instead of worshiping God how he likes? That is my favorite song. But did you even ask God whether he liked you worshiping him with that song? Worshiping is not about you. It is about him. If you prefer spending time to buy a gift that the other person likes, don't you think our God deserves the praise and worship that he likes? The praise and worship that he wants is of spirit and in truth, not of lyrics and musics, but spirit and truth. The truth is the word of God. He wants worship based on the word of God. The spirit is upon me. And I will sing of his glory. I will testify of his goodness. That is the praise and worship that he loves. Not a particular set list. Your set list is the songs that you like. And when this happens, we expect God great revelations. But have you been faithful in the little revelations? Let me tell you this. If you don't use what you have, what you have will be taken away from you. It will be given to someone who will be faithful. You need to be careful that every word that you receive, every, every scripture that you receive, you're using it in your life. Every Sunday we receive a powerful sermon from our pastor, from our dad. But we, may, we can easily forget it and move on if we don't start implementing it in our lives. We want God to be pleased with us. And that can only happen if you're living a life that glorifies and pleases him. That needs praise and worship. That needs spending time in the word. That needs spending time in prayer. That needs you knowing him more. A drought is the absence of rain. Is your life drying up? You want to know how your life is drying up? If your life has been stuck to a ritualistic habit now, where now you're set up that, hey, I, this is my time to praise. I will wake up at six and I will read my Bible to this time. And then I'll praise and worship God from this time to this time. And it's every day I do this. Well, that is a ritualistic response. And God is not looking for a ritualistic response. If you are limited to your ritualistic lifestyle, I'm here to let you know you're facing a drought in your life. I'm not saying that discipline and, and a timeline or a timetable is not good. I'm saying that limiting God and his experience to just that is not good. If he wants to continue talking to you after your one hour, you should be available to let him talk to you after your one hour of time. That is what a drought is not. 
we need the rain. We need the power and the flow of God in our lives. So first thing is drought, right? Second thing, there will be locusts. These things come out when the land is drying up. Why? Because they want something to eat and they'll eat everything that is available in the dry land. Right? So what are the locusts in our lives? Well, when there is no rain and our response to God is, is limited or, or is shutting down, there will be locusts in our lives that will start to show up. And please understand this. If you are often unhappy, even without any reason, that is one of the locusts in your life. If you're anxious most of the time, if you're sad most of the time, if you're angry or upset or living in unforgiveness, if you have no peace in your heart, no joy in your heart, if you're confused day and night, if you're anxious in every step, if your faith is not able to stand up, if you're always judging and pointing out others' mistakes and sins and not, and, and not checking up on your own life, when all the negatives start to grow up in your life, but, but holiness doesn't, that, my friend, is the locust in your life. And that is eating you up. Everything that God built up in your life, that locust starts to eat it. Everything that is available, the peace of God that was available. Now, because you are experiencing a drought, because God, because you're not spending time in, in, in spirit and in truth. Now you're experiencing a drought. Now this locust will come up and start taking away the peace that was invested maybe a week back. And you will think that, but last week I was peaceful. Well, the thing is to remain peaceful, you have to abide in the presence. And you thought that you will sustain throughout the week, but no, that locust will come up and start eating up that peace that was invested in your heart till it's no longer there. It'll start eating us up. And when it has nothing to feed on us, then we'll start to feed up on each other. The more we start to disconnect with each other is just because we are fed up of ourselves and we are fed up of others. And this is because... Simply, we're going through a drought. A drought that should not have happened in the first place. We start judging and pointing out to others because we are done pointing out our own mistakes. The negatives in our lives, they start to come up. It will burn us. It will finish up if we don't take care of it, if we don't keep a check on it. That is what happens after the drought. And thirdly, and the final thing, now comes the, the pestilence, the epidemic diseases. You'll say that, man, it's, it's, it's nothing. It's, it's casual. But let me tell you, casual is the disease. Your ritualistic daily life is the disease. Your it's okay attitude is the, is the disease. Your go with the flow mentality is the disease. You, no one will know it, thought is the disease. And you allow that disease to be in your life without treating it, it will continue to grow till it consumes you up fully. And if, if once you are consumed, it will pass on to another and another till the entire community gets started to infect with it. If you start to think that it is not your job to intercede, my friend, that is a disease in your life. If you start to think that 
reading the Bible and sharing the good news is not your job, that is a disease. Praying for someone is not my job. Being an usher, it's, it's their job to do this. They are the usher. It is a disease. Praising and worshiping, it's, it's the job of them. I'll just stand back with hands folded and be, it is a disease. I will wait for the word to come to me. It is a disease. Because Jesus said, go out and preach the gospel. You and I are supposed to go out. But we are still waiting in for the word to come to us. Be faithful with what you have. If you start to think that I don't have to contribute to my community. I don't have to go to church or do this thing for my church. No, someone else will do it. That itself, that mentality, that thought process is a disease. And if you allow to go, the sphere and the negatives will rise in your life. And I'm letting you know, you're setting yourself up for a great fall. And I'm telling you this, all of this will be because of your decision, not my decision, not Pastor Roy's decision, not your family, father and mother's decision, not a worship team member's decision or your parents' decisions or your brother, sister's decision. No, it will be because of your decision. So I'm in, in clarity, I'm giving you two options. Either you choose the fire of glory or you get the fire of drought actually why i am saying the fire of drought the drought is something that we that is full of because of the heat the sun and the earth the sun is is a big chunk of fire in itself the heat that it gives out that causes the land to dry up if there's no water so you choose whether you want to experience the fire of glory or you want to continue living in the fire of drought. If your spiritual life is drying up, if there is nothing new happening, you're already in the drought, my friends. If, if the joy of the Lord is no longer seen in your life and in your, on your face, you, you, the locusts are already out. If you have this mentality that it's okay if I don't show up, you're already in the pestilence. We are not meant to be casuals. We're not meant to be naturals. We're not meant to be and treat God like, yeah, it's okay. No, no, it's not okay. But still, this God, he says, when I shut up, but still he says in verse 14, if my people, that is the third segment in this chapter. The first was the powerful or the glorious response of God. The second was the good, when the good feelings are done. And the third is the restoration of God. Despite of us being surrounded with drought and living with the locust, he's still saying, I want you to be restored. Look at verse 14 and 15. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. We very well know these scriptures and we use it mightily. We use it for intercessions. We use it for prayers. And 
despite of the transition of the Israelites from the glorious phase to a drought phase, God is still compassionate towards them and he's saying, I want you back. So the good news is, even if you look at it right now and you have realized that, man, I'm in a place, I'm in a season of drought, or I have the locusts eating me up, or I have these pestilence and the epidemic diseases chewing my mind. I'm here to let you know God is still compassionate towards you. Hallelujah. Can we praise God? He is not letting you be in the dry land. He's wanting you to be restored. More than you wanting to be restored, the Abba Father wants to restore you. You can think that it's okay, I am like this, but he knows it's not okay for my son or my daughter to go in this because I know how it ends. If you knew how your life would end because of this drought, I'm pretty sure you would say, I don't want to live like this anymore. God is saying, I want you back. He says, he shows, he speaks what he expects from us. What, he, what does he expect from us? Humble yourselves. God resists the proud, right? Get rid of your pride, please. Please. You can be a good person or you have been a good, good leader or a good preacher or you know the word of God in and out for, for over years. But that, does, that should not make you proud. That should humble you. He wants us to be back and full of his glory, to be full of his joy, to be full of his peace, to be full of his comfort, that his, that his presence be restored in our lives and that we get out of the drought. He's, he's looking at verse, at verse 14, he's looking and saying, if my people who are called my, by my name humble themselves. Isn't it funny? That the God who says in verse 13 that when I shut up heaven is the same God who is saying when they humble themselves. Don't you think God can humble you in this very instance? Now imagine if God started to humble you down. I'm telling you, you wouldn't want that experience, my friends. Look at the shift. Look at the shift. For heavens, he's saying, I'll say it and I'll stop it. But for you, he's saying, if you do it by yourselves, I'll bring you back. Don't you think God can give a pat on your back and say, this is not how you treat me? Children. When kids misbehave with elders, what, what do the elders or their parents do? They probably give a smack on the head or they give a small hit on the back and they scold them and say, is this how you treat your elders? That's not how you talk to them. Say sorry and behave in a proper way. So is that how you talk to your above father? He doesn't he have the authority to give you a good smack and say, is that how you talk to me? In the worldly way, a parent or, or an elder would say, do you even know who you're talking to? 
but God chooses not to deal with you in that manner. And you should be grateful. I should be grateful. Since we are in an online service, we sit how we want, we dress how we want, we can sit with our legs lifted high, we can be on our bed and, and casually sitting with our videos off, which all many of the videos are off. It can be got for good reasons, it can be for bad reasons, but let me tell you, how many of you believe that church is not a place, it is our faith? So where you are sitting, and I'm going to quote from Exodus now. Do you know you're sitting or standing on the holy ground? Is this how you sit in a service? Is this how you dress up and, and treat God when the worship and the word of God is going on? We might be on Zoom, but we might be also chatting on WhatsApp or Snapchat or Instagram. Is that how you treat the presence of God? If God would want to humble you in this very moment, he would have humbled you right away. But he's saying, if you decide to humble yourselves, our heart should be receptive and willing to change. Our life should be clear and true to him. Our life should be all about God first, his church, and us as the last. When we humble ourselves, now there is a, there is a big paradigm here, okay? If we humble ourselves and we pray and seek him, the, comprom the compromising lifestyles will cease to exist in our life. But if you allow your compromising lifestyle to continue to grow, then the humility, prayer, and his presence will cease to exist in your life. So if you're figuring, if you're wondering why I'm not experiencing a move of God, well, there are some compromising lifestyles that needs to be moved out. When you prepare the temple and you have the place set up, the altar set up, and everything is good and pleasing to God. That's where the fire of God comes down and the fire of drought is pushed out. But once again, this is your choice. I urge you, I request you, I encourage you to worship and walk with God with an urgency. Your time, our time is limited. Look at it. You and I, we, are, we can be quick to point fingers at someone. But let me ask you this. Is that the same speed with which you respond with a helping hand? If not, there is a drop. If we ask, if we want others to forgive us at the blink of an eye, but we don't forgive others with the blink of an eye, there is a drop. If we come to church only to hear the word and then go back to our tents casually, there is a drought, there is a locust, there is the pestilence in your life. If we receive the word on Sundays, Wednesdays, Fridays, but then we forget 
and we don't even look back and check into it we look don't even look back and see if we are living our life according to it you and i we are already in the drought but i'm here to tell you there is a way you can get out of it today if my people humble themselves dear church the life we are living is not meant to be a routine life a routine life will become a ritual very soon there's a fine line between routine and ritual it becomes a ritual but we are not called to a ritual we are called to a relation you and i we need to get rid of self motivation and self focus of the goals and targets it is better to live a daily sacrificial life that brings glory to god than live a convenient life that that pleases us you can live a ritualistic lifestyle that will please you and that you can boldly walk in and say you you pray just for 15 minutes man i pray for 2 hours that's ritualistic man that's what pharisees did too we are not pharisees you are disciples start living like one god called you to be disciples you started off as disciples but many of us are moving in the directions of becoming a pharisee no turn around there is a way do you really believe that god is pleased with your life right now take a moment you don't have to answer it have a deep look in your life and honestly allow the spirit of god to convict you do you really think that god is pleased with your life do you believe that god is pleased with the praise and worship that you offer to him Do you believe that God is blessed and he's and he's joyful the way you spend time in his word and prayers? Or do you come to worship and glorify God and then just walk away after that hour? Let me ask you. When we gather on Zoom or or physically for prayers or for the meeting we all lift our hands and we, we many of us we we kneel down some of us we kneel down we praise we sing we dance do you do that in your tents do you do that every day that or every moment that you choose to worship god or is it only on a sunday or a friday or a wednesday thing where everyone is gathered you can say yes and i want to turn back you can nod your head and say that man i messed up and i want to turn back but it's one thing to say yes now and then to live in yes forevermore here's another rough truth and please accept it wholeheartedly many of us we've put on an external christian cloth whereas we were called to put on christ if you want to put on christ you need to get off your ritualistic christian clothes god is not going to look at us by christian clothes he's going to look at us through his son in his son and us in him The Bible doesn't say that he looks at us as as Christian clothes. No, he looks at us through Jesus his son and us in his son. Abide in me and I in him. 
you will bear much fruit. But we are putting on Christian clothes. We are lifting hands when people are around. We are kneeling down when the music and the song is of our good. But what happens when you are back in your tent alone? And you don't kneel down to worship. You don't lift your hands in praise. You don't take a moment to jump and dance and rejoice in the joy of the Lord. If that is the case, you've put on a Christian cloth, kudos, but that's not what heaven wants. Heaven wants you to put on Christ. God and the kingdom is not a petrol station where you go every week to refill your fuel. He is the bread of life that you ought to have every day. You just don't go to refuel when you're almost on empty or you're on reserve. No, don't do that. He is not a petrol station. He's not a gas station. He is the living God. He's a God who wants a relationship with you, who wants to bestow you with his love. It is agape, unconditional love. With one verse, I will finish off in the next two minutes. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20. Let's please read it. Ephesians 4, verse 20. Keep your hand on this, on this passage. We'll come back to it in a minute. But let's read Ephesians 4, verse 20. If you have it with you, it says, But you have not so learned Christ. In another version, it says, But this is not what Christ taught you in another version it says this is not the teaching of christ now everything that you are doing every action that you take every decision that you make every plan that you set up the way you respond to people the words that you speak and the words that you use the way you use your time the commitments that you make or you break, the priorities in your life that you set up, how you treat the people who hurt you, how you treat your neighbors, your partners, your associates, your believers, your, the, the brothers and sisters in Christ, how you worship, how you praise, how you pray, how you read the Bible. Can you confidently say that all of this has truly been taught to you by Christ? The way you're reading your Bible, do you have the confidence that this is how Jesus did? The way you choose to worship or not to worship, do you think that is a teaching of Jesus? That is what Jesus taught? The way you approach Abba Father, is that how Jesus approached the Abba Father? Is this... Everything that I've been doing, is this what Jesus has taught me? Hello, are you here with me? Would you be able to say that the life you're living is completely based on the teachings of Christ? That this exactly is how Jesus would have done. This exactly is what Jesus would have done.
This exactly is how Jesus would have spoken to that particular person. This exactly is what Jesus would have chosen if he was running low on time. He would have chosen to just put on a worship list and then just continued working. Is that exactly what Jesus would have done? If not, then I invite you to turn back and allow him to restructure your life and renew you. He's ready to forgive you if you're ready to repent. Repent and not turn back, okay? We repent probably every Sunday after the word comes in. We say, hey man, this, this word hit us home. It, it hit my heart. But tonight, this evening, I encourage, I request, I plead you. Don't treat the scripture as another Sunday scripture. Don't treat any scripture as a, another scripture. Treat every scripture with the reverence because it, is, it has the power to give you life, to set you free, to restore you and to revive you in his glory. The commitments that you make is not to a local church. The commitments that you make is to the kingdom above. The sacrifices, the offerings that you bring, it is not to the local church. It is all to God. And lastly, lastly, the same Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 19 and 20. But if you turn away and forsake, forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have said before you, and you go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will approve them from my land, which I have given them. And this house, which I have sanctified for my name, I will cast out from my side, and I will make it a proverb and byword among all peoples. This is for those who choose not to turn back. Now, let me be very clear with this. You will be an example. That's for sure. Now, which kind of example you would want to be is in your hands. Would you want to be the example of the people who, 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 were, who were living in a drought, but then turned back by in humility, prayer, and they started seeking God again? Or would you be an example of the people who were in drought, but still ignored the voice of God and continued living their way. You will be an example for sure. Now, what kind of example would you want to be? That is not what something God is going to decide. He's saying, you decide. You decide what you want to be remembered for. You decide how you want people to remember you. Do you want to be remembered for your carelessness and the casual life? For the phony Christian attitude. We show the Christianity, but we don't live the Christianity. We shout and dance in the church, in the community, but we don't do the same when we are in our rooms, in our, in our place. If you have identified yourselves as being in the drought or the locusts or the pestilence, I'm giving you a minute to humble yourself, to pray, and to seek him. I'm not going to lead you in a prayer. I'm, I'm, allow, I'm praying that you will lead yourself in the prayer. Allow the spirit of God to convict you and lead you. As God allowed the Israelites to decide for themselves, I'm allowing you to decide for yourselves too. But he is wanting to 
to see you. Just a second, yeah? But God is wanting to see you back in, in the fullness of his glory. Please choose to do the same. Turn back and let him restore you. Lastly, Solomon built the temple. But I want you to know in today's generation, in today's world, you are the temple. Let the fire of God fill your life that everyone around you will see it and they will kneel down and worship that man, my God, is still a mighty moving God. If you feel led, you want to stand up and pray, you want to kneel down, you want to cry your hearts out, do whatever, but don't go back into your tents like you always do. I'm giving you this time before I pray for you guys. This minute, this time is all yours for now. Abba Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, convict every heart. Show us our true state. Help us to get rid of that Christian phony clothes. And to put on Christ in this evening, Father. Forgive us, Abba Father, for, for the crimes and the sins that we have committed against you where we mistreated you, where we misbehaved with you, where we thought what we were doing was pleasing you, but we didn't stop to look and consider whether it was actually pleasing you, Abba Father. Where we put ourselves ahead of you, where we chose our joy and our comfort and our, 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 our happiness more than yours. But this, this evening we cry out to you, with hearts, hearts open and hands lifted high, we pray, Holy Spirit, have a move amongst us once again. Consuming fire, come and breathe and consume everything that is not good for our lives, for your temple. Set us free once again. Restore us. Break us free from every chains that we ourselves has bound ourselves to. For all the casualties, for all the, for all the minimal and the normal habits, for the, for, for the crimes of, of normalizing our spiritual life, of the casualness in our, in our commitments, of, of the priorities that we have changed, of, of mistreating you by our actions, by our words, by our, our lifestyle. For all these things, Abba, I pray that you may give us another chance. Convict every heart, Holy Spirit, and let every, every heart right now, every lives be open and they may surrender to you. I pray, Holy Spirit, come down. And let there be a revival of the Holy Ghost all over again. I pray that this, these children may not go back and they may not turn into, into something else. They may be fully transformed in the glory of God as the disciples and the children of the Most High. 
we i decree i command and i rebuke the locusts that have been coming out in our lives the anxiety the hate the pride the ego the the casualty the mindset that has changed the the self righteousness the self exaltation the self motivation the drought that has come in the drought of of praise and worship the drought of prayer the drought of word i come against all of these and i pray holy spirit come down and reign in every lives let our lives be pleasing to you let our lives be ready all over again help us to uproot them all and be ready that you may restructure your temple as it pleases you won't you do it again father you did it for them won't you do it again in our lives help us to know what pleases you help us to live the life of sacrifice as you lived forgive us for not living with the teachings that jesus gave but today holy spirit take hold of every heart that is surrendering to you right now and build them up again in the teachings of the of the bible of of jesus let every heart be convicted this evening get rid of all the rituals of all the traditions of all the comfort and father let there be life in every life i believe in the days to come we will not go back we will not be done even after this service is done i pray that let no one who has heard and received this word let no one be done with it i pray that they may continue to walk in this word that this word may continue to uh, continue to hit them in their hearts it may continue to uh, bring them to a conviction they may it may continue to exhort them exhort and and exalt you in their lives of oh father god we may not forget these scriptures but we may implement it in our lives with the help of the holy spirit we want you and your glory to be manifested jesus have your way up our father all these beautiful children they are yours and we are thankful that you are compassionate towards us even when we were away when we were living in a life of disguise you were still compassionate to us help us to see the miracles in our daily lives and to glorify you to worship you in spirit and in truth we bless you above father we thank you for this word we thank you that you are you're still here with us and you are ready to work in us we believe and we expect a transformation in every single life but if not all at least a few lives that will carry on the mantle of your glory in jesus name we pray